You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, welcome to another weekly show of the ProcureTech podcast. It's your weekly dose of inspiration to make your procurement role that little bit more rewarding and exciting because procurement tech can do so many things. It can increase compliance. It can improve our data. It can help us be more strategic. It can facilitate better relationships with stakeholders. It can get us to decisions faster than it otherwise would have been possible using Excel and SharePoint. It really is a diverse ecosystem of different technology that can help us be more efficient and more effective. And in that light, we're kicking off a bit of a mini series this week of e-sourcing platforms. And all of these platforms that we're going to feature are in some way or another connected to the e-sourcing ecosystem. May not be all that they do, but it's certainly the lion's share of the offering that each of these platforms uh, can offer to their end user. But before we do, just a quick note from me before we dive into this week's show that I recently kicked off with the ProcureTech podcast, a monthly newsletter, which brings you all of the updates and goings on in the procurement tech space, as well as some input from some industry thought leaders out there who have very kindly agreed to collaborate with me and give me little snippets of information each month that I can share with the audience. If you'd like to grab that, then just head over to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter and sign up there. There's also a link uh, pinned to our LinkedIn page as well. So as I mentioned, this is part of a mini series on e-sourcing tools. And one of those who I'd like to welcome to the show this week is Archlet. So uh, Lucas Vavela and Tim Grunoff, both co-founders of Archlet, a very warm welcome to the ProcureTech podcast. Hi, James. Hi, James. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure. So you guys have grown pretty quickly from your inception uh, back in 2019. So what is interesting is that you're actually a spin-off uh, from a university in, in Zurich in Switzerland. Maybe just before we jump in, you can tell a little bit of the story behind that. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm glad to take you back to uh, our inception. For that, as you said, we have to go back around two and a half years uh, from now. Actually, Lucas, Jacob and I, we were um, studying together and we were also working for a student consultancy back then, uh, which is called ETH Juniors. And um, during that time, we ran a lot of consulting projects. So we had like 30 to 40 consulting projects, mainly focusing on data science. Or one of our customers there was a big packaging company. Uh, and they reached out to us and told us, hey, look, uh, we need someone to support us uh, in our sourcing. So we're running uh, these tenders and uh, we need someone or a team of uh, a few data scientists or data analysts um, to, to help us with the analytics of the sourcing event. And we, we came in, learned in a very short time a lot about the topic, 
um, and and also um, yeah help them and 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 were and realized how still far behind the whole sourcing space uh, in terms of digitization and especially adoption of these solutions is and that's when we decided to to spin off Archlet out of ETH uh, out of our project back there um, and yeah ever since our journey has been um, quite a ride so we're now uh, obviously uh, around. 35 people in the team um, and are um, growing, have customers around the world. And uh, it's been a really exciting last last two years. So it almost happened by chance that they that they came to you and asked for help with, with sourcing. And that that's kind of the story of procurement in general, because everyone that ends up in this profession, not everyone, but certainly the vast majority kind of fall into it. You hit on a good point, actually, there, when you said that a lot of companies are generally quite behind in in, digi- in digitization in uh, in the procurement space. So I think a good place to start, and this is the question that I'm asking everyone in this mini-series, is why do you think that so many companies still use Excel and email and SharePoint for running RFX and sourcing events? Yeah, I, I think I take over this one. Um, the question is obviously a very common one, and people ask us that all the time. And also, if I take if I tell friends that um, I have a startup in procurement, they say, "Well, why do you do that? Because there are already hundred tools out there." And then I was like, "Yeah, well, but in the end, buyers still prefer using email and Excel." And I think the question or the answer to this question is actually quite simple. It's because it's Often technology which is available simply does not provide users the flexibility to cope with these various different requirements they have across the different spend categories in a way they really feel comfortable. So the easiest way for them is because everyone has a bit of knowledge of Excel, you know how to use Outlook. As soon as you get uncomfortable in the tools, you go out and you start doing it offline. And I think that's, in the end, the reason why people prefer doing it by themselves versus staying in a structured workflow tool. And I think usability here is a big topic, but also flexibility of the systems is also a big topic, why they just, so to say, opt out and, and have this um, scattered process. Yeah, and I think, and I was actually going to ask this question a bit later, but I think it's a good time to jump into it now because, you know, especially in sourcing, e-sourcing, some technologies have been around for a long time, but have kind of struggled with low adoption ever since. I'm specifically thinking about auction platforms. And, And this is why over the last three years, especially a variety of startups have kind of been developing new approaches to to solve problems to these very old challenges. And, you know, these startups are rethinking procurement tools, as you hit on there, from the perspective of the user, rather than necessarily, you know, having a big list of features or capabilities offered by the technology. And you guys have got an excellent graphic on your website that sort of walks through this in terms of procurement's digitalization journey. So, Maybe if you can, it's it's always difficult to explain a graphic on a on a podcast. But maybe you could, if you could explain that as you go from level one to level five, and and where organizations typically have kind of got stuck in the past. Yeah, I think this graph is coming actually from the automotive industry because, as Tim mentioned, we all studied 
something mechanical engineering related, so robotics, data science. So there you have these five levels where level one is you're driving your car as is, and level five is the car is driving completely autonomously. So we just thought, well, let's take this level one to level five analogy into sourcing and and have kind of defined these levels for the different maturity of a procurement digitalization journey. And I think level one is, as, as you have explained in the beginning, James, it's just you use email and Excel for your sourcing, for the collection of the offers, but also then for the analysis of the of the um, yeah of the offers, and then level two starts to get already. So you get support by tools. So you have an RFQ in place, an e-sourcing tool which functions as a platform where your suppliers have an offer portal, for example, and and kind of communicate via the platform, or also doing e-auctions. And then for us, everything after this level two starts to get more advanced. So we call level three sourcing optimization, which is also a term already in the industry for a long time, where you actually don't do the analysis of the bits and your strategy offline. You have it online in the system and you can add in your constraints, create different sourcing scenarios, analyze the bits, do cost breakdowns, and all of that online in the tool. While you are still in the driving seat and you have limited support of the system, helping you to find the best possible sourcing strategy. While then for us, the next step, we like to call guided sourcing, which is a big difference to autonomous sourcing because guided sourcing means that you're still kind of in the driving seat, but the tool really supports you in finding outliers and making your decision faster and better. So one specific example here would be that instead of you adding the constraints for your specific spend category, the tool already provides you suggestions how you could create your scenarios to get to your desired outcome faster um, with the desired results. And I think here is, this is also level four for us, guided sourcing is kind of our vision. We want to go there where the tool helps our users to decide better and faster. Well, then level five, of course, is even more in the future where it's all about complete autonomous sourcing. In the end, um, let's see if this ever happens, especially in very strategic areas, but definitely also as an automotive would be the final last step in this procurement digitalization journey. And you're right to differentiate between strategic and sort of tactical or operational sourcing, but that's kind of what companies like Fair Market are trying to do now, right, with things that we, with, with Tailspend. So, I mean, I guess the problem that most organizations face is if you're looking at sort of ERFQs, e-auctions, and then sourcing optimization, and even guiding sourcing to some extent, some platforms out there can do that, but they're either not particularly user-friendly or you know, you're still then reliant on exporting a lot of that data into something like Excel to be able to then do your if this, then that type of sort of scenario adjustments for, for any results that you have. So I think what what then with what you've developed with Archlet, what differentiates yourselves from the other e-sourcing tools and and what do you then see as your as your USP? Because you talk a lot on your website about 
e-sourcing not just being about price, which I think, you know, I definitely resonate with that. And I think that will be more and more apparent in future, especially with things like security of supply and, and, and this law that's coming in in Germany around supply chain responsibility for big corporations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, good question. I mean, after all, as, as, as Lucas already has touched a little bit upon right now, um, we, we really focus on the user, right? So we really... Um, I guess from a historic perspective, most of most of the sourcing tools that have been in place uh, in, in, and 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 also are part of these large suite solutions, they usually are very process centric. And and I think we're we're tackling the the whole problem here from a little bit of a different angle by really focusing on the user, but also consumerizing the approach uh, to some extent, right? Uh, so we're not we're not. Um, going to create every little or itty bitty feature in that sense that uh, creates 100% of the value for every tender, but rather focus on the, the 90, 95% of, of, of creating 90, 95% of value for, for 95% of the, of all the tenders, right? So going a little bit away from um, these, because the, the sourcing optimization tools and, and sourcing analytics tools that are in the space as of today, they're usually very, very complex and, and and not really adopted across the organization. So by focusing on the user, we really, we really want to tackle that and, 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 and go more into the breadth of the organization. The other topic that you addressed, rightly so, I mean, the, the holistic decision, um, sourcing decision approach that we choose. So we also strongly believe that um, there's a lot of data sources in these companies. Um, and we've talked to many companies um, and, and seen always the same pattern. Um, companies are using products uh, or, or, or scores like Ecovadis or scores from Tealbook and, and many data providers. Um, but when they do this, they usually do this on a maybe a little bit of a detached way to the specific sourcing event or the specific tender. So what we want to do is we want to empower buyers in that sense to really include all these decisions uh, and, and make all these decisions in one platform by by integrating with these providers. So we've integrated or we've partnered up uh, very recently with Ecovadis and Tealbook um, and, and, and other data providers to make sure that we can um, yeah, let, let this data flow into the decision-making process to, after all, as you said, have things like sustainability and, and supply chain risks flow into the decision process so that you can make the trade-off as a buyer or as a category manager right away in the system as well. So once one thing is really user user first, focusing on usability, and the other thing is also um, creating a more holistic decision platform that is then obviously by being a user-first solution adopted across the organization. So just a quick interlude, because there are a couple of things that I really want to make you aware of, because I think they will be valuable for you. So number one, we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. If you want to get that, just head to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're ahead of procurement or a center of excellence leader and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology especially if you're a mid-sized business schedule a call with me there's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode just hit that schedule a call link and we can have a quick chat to understand your challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization
And now let's get right back to this week's show. I think there are two separate segments to this because, I mean, data silos is definitely a problem. And you've got then kind of things like performance and risk, sustainability, diversity. They're often already captured in appropriate systems to some extent, um, but they're rarely integrated into an organization's e-sourcing tool. And then they have to be sort of bolted on afterwards into any decision-making process. But the same is also true for external data factors that also influence a sourcing decision. So, you know, things like commodity pricing or benchmarking and even soft things like stakeholder evaluations that come into play around how they subjectively perceive a supplier's performance to be. And, um, Definitely. That 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 well, I mean, you do have advanced sourcing software out there that can eliminate many of the challenges of running a sourcing event in Excel, but it doesn't necessarily bring all of these disjointed systems together. And I know you you've worked hard on that, haven't you? So maybe just speak to me a little bit around what you think you can offer there that that brings all that into one platform. Yeah, I think. Tim, if I may quickly, we always talk about scenario-based thinking, where we try to also be empower buyers to not only look at price, but either we actively propose certain KPIs they should consider for a certain category. So I give you one specific example. In packaging, next to price, what is a very easy thing to measure is, for example, the weight of the package or also the risk, how much of recyclable material you have. So we actively give them inputs, how they could make their decisions more holistic on a category level, which is information you get from suppliers, right? And then if you have information from external providers, it's actually even more relevant because then you have additional know-how, which you usually don't get from your suppliers. And I guess what is just important for us is that you at least have the data points to, to make conversations which are not only about price and then also really test these things and maybe test a scenario where you have different sources of supply or um, different demand patterns, weighting different selection criteria, etc. So just to make sure that you get these data in your decision-making and then also use them in your discussions because I feel like buyers often, of course, they are incentivized by their bonuses. If they get more savings, they get more bonuses. But I also strongly believe that in the future, maybe a KPI of a buyer will be if you save this amount of CO2 or if you can reduce the weight of the packages by X, you get also incentivized by a bonus in terms of money or, or something else. So we strongly believe that this will shift. And we want to be ready. And that's why we partner with additional companies to make sure that we can provide these data points, which are needed for this holistic decision making. So it's not only enabling the sourcing manager to be able to to do that scenario based thinking inside the tool and to bring all of these disparate data points together into one platform. It's it's also as part of the RFP process incentivizing the supplier really to come up with 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 innovation and 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 rather than it just being a predominantly price-based discussion they're they're able to submit innovations not just in a powerpoint presentation but 
I assume, in part of a total value proposition or or weighted analysis of uh, of, of a bid. Yes, exactly. I mean, there's this term often used, it's called expressive bidding, which I think it's already used in several systems many years ago. And we just want to make it as easy as possible that actually buyer or suppliers really also do it and come up with different solutions and give you also inputs how you can drive sustainability in categories. Because often suppliers know it better than buyers, which I shouldn't say probably, but it's true because they're not the own there they get these questions from many sides and they all have yeah. to find solutions how to um, satisfy the customers of their buyers right so it's basically it should be not only a one-sided um, direction or one-sided discussion we have to involve everyone in that in that shift yeah and i th- i think you're absolutely right that often the seller is in a stronger position than the buyer in terms of data that they have around them because you know as we all know in procurement sales data is usually a lot lot better than than purchase data through the 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 nature of how companies typically saw sales historically as being way more strategic and important and certainly got a lot more investment in in systems than than procurement ever did so by enabling these holistic sourcing decisions that can balance commercial factors and business requirements, internal discussions through that nature then become more fact-based and quantifiable, which one would assume or one would hope that then in turn helps to, re- to raise or to elevate the profile and the reputation and the perception of what procurement does in an organization. So, I mean, now that you've been going a couple of years and you've you've got some big reference customers now, are, are you finding from existing customers that stakeholders that are not in procurement are now more engaged in a sourcing process when it's being run through Archlet? Because I guess specifically for them, it takes the focus off price first auctions and RFPs. And, you know, that's always the major criticism of, other departments of procurement that you know they, they they just go after the lowest price. So are you are you seeing that sort of internal customer satisfaction of the value that procurement delivers using this tool as sort of facilitating better relationships? Yeah, I mean, I I do have an example. Maybe Lucas, you have another one after. But so we have we have one customer, whereas currently um, they usually ran their sourcing event traditionally in Excel sheets. Um, and then it was usually yeah, a very cumbersome process to analyze the bits after the sourcing event and then to finally decide who to work with. And what, what's, what's cool to see now is that um, they, in their company, they actually do have, as a part of their procurement excellence team, they do have a function um, where they can, um, they have someone who's mainly in charge of bringing um, game theoretical approaches into negotiation design. And um, this person is now much more involved than before um, with the buyers to figure out how they can run their negotiations because all of a sudden they have capabilities that they didn't have before, right? So um, they, they now can collect and analyze the data much quicker. They know exactly how much on a line item level um, what supplier is away from the best quoted price for a specific line item. They can look at other parameters as well and then include all of this or or take all of this information and and design a negotiation scheme with their suppliers. And that is something that is very nice for us to see because it it 
it brings that collaborative aspect that we really want to push with also the, the user first approach um, into this business. And it enables these buyers and teams in that sense to really, um, yeah, make like better negotiations and, and create ultimately a lot of savings out of these, these events. But as you said also before, um, it still allows them also to to maybe also be um, more transparent to their suppliers uh, in the sense that suppliers can quote things like lead time and payment terms and maybe differentiate through this. Um, and it, it gives them just a whole new perspective on the on the whole decision-making process in, in their sourcing. Yeah, thank, thank you for that insight, Tim. Uh, that's, and, and, and I think it just goes to show that data, I mean, I say it all the time, but data just drives good decisions. And Taking back the example of of Amazon or of Tinder, you know, yes, Amazon is, is an e-commerce platform. Yes, Tinder is a dating app, but first and foremost, they make their money off of data, right? So, I mean, it, the lo- the logical conclusion to that is if you apply the same concept to to procurement and what companies spend, the better data that you have around you, it's going to pay back multiple times for the mm-hmm. investment in the technology. So, yeah, that's. Uh, that is a very, very valid point and great example too. James, maybe I have another one, which was just very recently. Tim, remember we had a meeting with a head of sustainability in that one at one of our clients and the lady joined because she wanted to define KPIs for categories, which can then be automatically calculated in our system again per scenario. So there is definitely a push of involving additional stakeholders in these processes which of course has to be the, also it has to be like this because how could you otherwise make sure that this is really incorporated in the decision-making if you just calculate them, but nobody really cares about it. I think your point addressing your change is definitely valid. So I guess the final question that I have, gentlemen, is if anyone wants to learn more about this or maybe book a demo and learn a bit more about what Archlet can do, uh, where is the best place that people can find you? So best would be to reach out to us via LinkedIn. Of course, Tim and me are not as active as we should be, but definitely we always check our messages there. But if you want to see a demo or get a more discreet conversation, just reach out via the website. Um, there you can either book a demo directly or we have also a contact form where you can basically tell us what you need or what you're looking for. And then we have a chat and hopefully, of course, it's always a two-sided learning. So we're always eager to understand how you currently source and what could be better in potential. And I will link to all of those uh, in the show notes. Uh, Lucas, Tim, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you again for coming onto the show and wish you all the best uh, with your growth. Thanks, James. Thank you, James. We'll see you soon. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Great to see innovation in this space from Archlet and indeed all of the other e-sourcing platforms that we're featuring in this mini-series. Thank you again for listening to us. There are a lot of procurement podcasts out there right now, so I'm very grateful that you've chosen to insert us into your earballs today. Don't forget to, to subscribe to us where you listen to your podcasts uh, the most regularly. And until next week, take care and speak to you soon. Bye-bye.